This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Bulabinaka and welcome to another week of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nangama and I'm joined by the one, the only, Dean Hallitow. Fakalofala, hey to everyone and welcome to the show. It's great to be here once again, Sarah. Thank you for the great intro. The one and only. The one, the only. Yes, I think I am. Anyway, <laughs> we've got plenty coming up in the next hour. We'll take a look back at the weekend in sport. We'll chat with Sione Fukafuka and we've got a new question for You Can Ask That. Lots to get through, Sarah, but what's been happening in your life? Oh, the festive season really has got the best of me. I'm on struggle street a little bit, but what I'm really, really happy about is that I've continued to train. I've continued to train. That's all I can say. Well, you, you were up very, very early this morning for a session, so you've you've made that your um, yes your routine, yeah. Well, I thought if you muck up, says he, you're going to have to front up. So that's that's kind of the slogan that's getting me through. But I actually had this thought: like, imagine if I had to do a yo-yo tomorrow, what squad get? It'd be woeful. You think? Yeah. You, you wouldn't think she's a national player. You might surprise yourself, I reckon. Uh, you know what? I, I do have a quick story. The girls at the gym said that no one wants to be my partner. Because you go too hard? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I was like, no, I never wanted to be that person. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's my week. It's it's very, like, not, not much happening. <laughs> Much of the same. What about you? What's been happening? Uh, look, I've had a, a bit of the same sort of a week myself, except that I, I taught my my young bloke, uh, Lewis, on the weekend how to ride a bike, to pedal a bike. So, oh, King Louis. Yeah, King Louis. He jumped on a bike. We, I, I, we were sitting at home on Saturday and uh, we're like inside not doing much. I thought, it's a nice day. Let's get outside and do something. And we've got an old bike that's my other daughter, uh, Peyton, my, my daughter, my middle one. It's sort of, he's big enough for it now. I said, do you want to go try and learn the bike? And he goes, yeah, sweet. So we went out the front and on the path, I just sort of started running him down the street, pushing him. And then he, like within a couple of goes, he just figured it out and was like, sweet, I got this. He was just pedaling down the street. Without like, training wheels? No training wheels, straight onto wow. it. So it was, um, the only thing he was struggling to figure out was it's like the pedal brake. So you push back, push back the brake. Yep. There's no, no brakes on the handles. And the first few times was stopped by just rolling into the bush on the side. <laughs> Which he didn't like too much, but he figured it out. So proud dad moment. Oh, that's a real proud moment. Well, our top story for this week comes from the world of rugby. Iliseva Batibasanga, she has announced her retirement. For those who are not familiar with who she is, she is an absolute veteran of the game of rugby union here in Australia. She has 26 test caps. She capped for the first time in 2006 against Canada. She's a three times world cup appearance player and also has played for both New South Wales and Queensland. This one's a very personal story for me. Um, she's one of my really, really close friends and oh my God, it's going to make me a little bit emotional. But it's really cool because when I first started playing rugby or my first introduction to rugby was Illy coming to my school to talk about rugby and she at the time was uh, a full-time contractor player to Aussie Sevens and then never did I think would end up playing Sydney University together playing for the New South Wales Waratahs and then um, making my debut alongside her again in the green and gold has just been such a moment. But it's, um, yeah, it's been quite a, a trot for her and I couldn't be happier, but I'm also so sad to see her go. What a, like a, a great list of achievements or accomplishments that she's had as well. You, you rattled them off earlier and that's um, pretty impressive. Uh, congratulations on, on what a career, Eliseva. And I've got a question for you. What's one of your greatest memories of, of playing alongside her? Oh, God. I think it's really hard to pinpoint. You know, we've actually achieved so much together. I think um, 
there was a moment that we had in Queensland when I debuted for the Wallaroos and she just like kind of came up to me and also knew that I'd been chasing my first cap for a few years and like just kind of gave the nod like you did it like we're here now we get to do this together and what I love about this story also is that my dad grew up idolizing her dad because he was this incredible incredible sevens player like a sevens veteran um back home as well so it was just like this full circle moment that like my dad idolized her dad they got to meet or connect because of us and then us two being able to share the jersey and then have both of our parents in the stand at the same time is just yeah it's what dreams are made of and she just is that kind of player that brings people together um she's a halfback so she's a controller there's some things that i will not miss like her when she gives you dirties if you drop the ball <laughs> or if you're not wide enough off the ruck um but her leadership will be sorely missed but what that does also do is avail space for the girls that are coming through so um sad of an area but again it's just her international career um but we hope to see her don the waratahs jersey next season but congratulations early on a stellar career we love you we appreciate you and uh yeah enjoy the beverages sister <laughs> hopefully she maybe comes back in some sort of capacity as a coach or administrator something in the Wallaroos would be great to see it playing role there right yeah i think she's the type of person that won't be able to stay away from the game it's just been so part of her life i think like what 2006 we're now in sitting in 2022 three world cup appearances Oof. I can only hope. <laughs> I can only hope. But uh, yeah, no, congratulations again, Yelly. Now, what about what's happening in the world of rugby around the, around the world? Well, I feel like this is my favourite part of the show because we're just talking about rugby, rugby. at the minute. Uh, no, so Cape Town Sevens has officially wrapped up. Looking at the women's game, the final was held between New Zealand and Australia. And for the first time in a little while, Australia came off second best. The final score was 31 to 14. This was um, a hugely competitive competition. Um, I guess it's worth noting that in Dubai, New Zealand debuted three girls, Australia got the dub. Last week, Australia debuted three girls and New Zealand got the dub. So I think they're going through this moment or this shift where they're also trying to blood new talent. Next season is, or next year, the I guess continuing the season is going to be really huge. So they need to be able to blood players at some point. But uh, congratulations to New Zealand because I know they've been chasing it for some time. But for Australia, it's not a bad result. They still finish on the podium. Next stop for them, though, will be Sydney, which will be a huge, huge tournament. End of January? Is that when? End of January. It's going to be big. It's going to be huge. And the Aussie girls, they haven't played here since, what, 2020, 2019? It's been some time. So they'll be... um. They'll be making this one personal. So New Zealand, enjoy it because I don't think it's going to last very long, friends. <laughs> uh, but also worth noting our, our placing so far within the women's game is first we have Australia and second place New Zealand, third USA and fifth Fiji. And those are talking about the overall rankings. Fiji and fifth. They fifth. need to climb. They, they, they will climb. Their time's coming. Because you know one team that we have been saying their time is coming and it certainly did come was Samoa. Samoa took on New Zealand in the final and they came away with the chocolates 12 to 7. Uh, one player that I do want to mention is uh, Maliko. He has been their top try scorer throughout this whole campaign and no doubt he will be a force to be reckoned with. But for Samoa, I feel like they've been edging. We've been saying it on this show for a few few months now. They're coming closer and closer. So to be able to see them get the reward and the recognition from around the world for what they've um achieved is just so exciting. So they sit on top of the men's rankings now after two events, which is pretty cool. Yes, sir. Like how cool. Samuel is sitting at the top of world rankings. I bloody love to see it and hear it.
passing the ball onto the court, what's happening in the world of netball? Yes, well, the 2022 Nations Cup is taking place in Singapore. It's been on hiatus for a few years due to uh, COVID and, and travel restrictions and whatnot. So um, over there, we've seen Fiji uh, go across as the number one ranked side uh, or the, the highest ranked side, I should say, in that competition. There's four nations invited. Singapore's got a, an opens and an A side competing as well. Fiji had uh, matches across six days, well, five days of, of pool matches, and they made the final against Botswana, who they eventually went down to 65-37. Uh, that's the only team that beat them in the whole tournament, Fiji. So as the top-ranked team in that, um, to, to lose to Botswana, who were the lowest-ranked team in their competition, was disappointing. They did win all their other matches. Um, but yeah, no doubt uh, for them, it's something that they'll uh, look back on and, and wonder how they, they went down in those matches. Turning our attention now to football, the, the round ball code that's uh, got a bit of attention at the moment because of the World Cup going on in Qatar. But uh, the PNG women's national team unfortunately lost their uh, friendly against the Philippines in Sydney last Sunday. Uh, they're preparing for the inter-confederation playoffs in February. So a uh, disappointing result there for the Papua New Guineans. Uh, no doubt they'll want to turn things around as they head towards that. You know what would be good? If they could get Mary Fowler, that would improve their hopes. Stop. She's their marquee player. Yeah. And then the, the team just, I know they build a team around her. But, you know, and I know she's Aussie as well, but I'm just saying. In like, a world where we, where we can wish. Yes. In a world where we can wish. On that note, um, with the FIFA World Cup, we currently know that there are no Pacifica nations um, currently competing. But Vanuatu Football Federation and FIFA um, have come to the table and are collaborating on a bit of an analysis. A bit of an analysis to gain understanding on the game in Vanuatu and how it can be supported by FIFA in the future. This is actually really cool because we love talking about sport. We love talking about Pacifica athletes and to see no teams currently in the FIFA World Cup, knowing that football is such a popular sport in the islands. Um, this is actually a really exciting step forward and I genuinely hope to see a Pacific nation compete in the next World Cup. Yeah, well, we, we often talk about and we hear from our guests often about how important it is to have strong grassroots and that's what Vanuatu is doing. They're looking at um, what is happening at that lower level and, and how they can improve their pathway so that their national team or their national and elite teams are um, getting more experience and, and, and shooting for those big tournaments. And it's great for FIFA to be on board to support that as well. We'd love to see it. And last but certainly not least, week 14 in NFL. Yes, coming down to playoff time, divisionals and Super Bowl late January, February. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles have had a, a great season. They took on the New York Giants away and Philadelphia 48-22. to 22. They continue on their winning ways. Jalen Hurts, their quarterback, who I've mentioned a number of times, threw two touchdowns and rushed for one himself. He's on track to be MVP, or at least in the conversation for MVP of the NFL this year. Other results we'll talk about. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home and won 35 to 7. So it was a smacking. And the, uh, smacking. Yeah, smacking. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady's under a bit of pressure at the moment. The uh, One of the all-time great quarterbacks, if not the GOAT. Um, Brock Purdy was the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, he's come in after the, the probably first two choices. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Jordan Love have gone down with uh, injuries. And Brock Purdy was actually drafted last in the 2020 draft, which is a long way down. So if you're last, um, the title is Mr. Irrelevant. That's what they call last place. Uh, Brutal. And, and so he was last, but he's 
come in the last two weeks. He had to. He was he was in the the game last week as a replacement when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. He got his first start this week against the Buccaneers. He had two passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. So for a guy that was Mister Irrelevant for twenty twenty two, he's done pretty well to get himself relevant into the, into the side <laughs> and, and relevant and and playing really well. So uh, I thought that was a really good story to to see a young nothing come through and be a, a superstar. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for Talanoa time, we are very privileged to have Sione Fukufuka on the line with us. He has coached extensively across Australia in the Queensland Reds, um, the Wallaroos, and has had experience also with the Australian youth side. Sione, welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? Thank you for having me. See, let's just get straight into it. I guess we should preface our listeners that you and I actually have a, an existing relationship because you are one of my coaches at the Wallaroo. So it's been special to get you know off-field. But for all of our listeners, could you just tell us where you ran from in the islands and what you currently do today? Yeah. So um, my dad is Tongan and mum is from New Zealand. So I grew up um, probably five or six years in Tongatapu and then spent some time in Vavatu before um we came over to Australia. My dad came to University of Queensland to um, to study and get his master's and we stayed for educational purposes and then just made it our home in Brisbane. Um, I've coached in Brisbane um, at Brisbane State High School where um, a number of obviously pretty good rugby league, rugby union players have come out of um, and then also coached in the um, club system. So in the men's program, I've coached at East, uh, sorry, South, East and Sunnybank. Um, and in the women's program, I was lucky enough to um, to get an opportunity to coach the Queensland Sevens team in 2014 and then um, had that role until Nationals was dissolved in 2017. So uh, that was most of the, uh, the lead up stuff. And then um, this year, uh, appointed last year, but this year got the chance to coach the Wallaroos. Um, and an exciting time finishing up at the uh, the World Cup. Can we uh, take it back to, to family life? And, and can you tell us a little bit about growing up and um, being part Tongan or, or half Tongan? Can you tell us a little bit about your culture and, and what that meant to you growing up? Yeah, so um, I don't know. It's about, so we went back to Tonga um, for the second time when I was about nine, ten. Um, and my dad's family is 12 siblings, so very big. Um, we lived in a, a village called Moa. Um, and we spent three years over there, um, two of those years in primary school. So year uh, class five, class six, and that's when you do the exam for high school. Um, so my family is only small. We've only got three siblings, but my, um, my extended family is massive. We're all over the world, as most um, islanders are. Um, but I went back at, uh, yeah, about 10 or 11, and then um, I guess immersed ourselves in the Tongan way of life um is interesting because my brother and I um are four years apart and um I was known as the Tongan one and he was the Palangi one so um what that meant basically was I did the chores I'm <laughs> in the house but um yeah it was it was an awesome experience we got to um to basically be Tongan being half Tongan didn't really affect us in Tonga I was uh, the best of both worlds which is great um I got treated exactly the same as the others, sometimes <laughs> a good thing and sometimes not so much when we got in trouble, but um, really got to enjoy village life. So, you know, it's a cliche, but it's that idea of we got up early in the morning, had breakfast and then disappeared 
and then would come home late in the evening. Um, and in between, we were fishing, um, climbing coconut trees, all those, I guess, stereotypes or cliche that happened in the islands. And it was, yeah, reflecting back on it, probably the best time of my life before we came um, back to Australia. Um, and then over here, we have that, um, I suppose, mixture of that cultural ideology and then more westernized i guess uh, upbringing and and trying to get the best of both worlds which i was pretty lucky to crossing over as a, a bit of a half cast you did it's so cool to be able to hear you speak about your upbringing i haven't really heard of it to that extent we now know you as a force to be reckoned with in rugby how did you even start or put your foot into the game of rugby so just like i think most people um parents and being half tongan rugby was always going to be somewhere in there um my dad professes to be a player of uh, of some note. I don't think we ever saw it. By the time we came along, it was... Uh, <laughs> hey, sounds like my dad. <laughs> it was some retired. I think my dad, to be honest, like um, as we got older, he spent more time in that management coaching space rather than playing. And maybe that was a natural progression for me to get into it. And mum was a teacher. So, um, yeah, it was... Yeah, it was a good upbringing and we enjoyed it. So rugby-wise, um, when we came to Brisbane, um, I started at a club called East when I was five and just loved it. My biggest memory, I guess, is watching the um, – my best memory of rugby is watching the 1987 uh, World Cup final with Australia uh, – not Australia. It was um, New Zealand, I think, in France, um, running around the, the lounge room and, and um, pretending to be an all-black so that was my aspiration for a long time in my life was actually to wear the black jersey. So it's interesting. Siona, you recently um, appointed as the Queensland Reds uh, assistant coach. So firstly, congratulations. But secondly, how exciting is it for you to be in the fold again? And I guess now you would see it through a different lens because you also are one of our national coaches. I guess does it change the way that you perceive your role within the Queensland Reds fold? Well, to be honest, it's it's why I'm there, um, you know, we had an opportunity this year to coach within the Wallaroo system um, and to watch Super W. And um, there's two parts to it. The first part is obviously Super W is a massive part of our development and, and progress through the ranks to try and improve um, the, the style of rugby we're trying to play in the Wallaroos. And the second part is just an, is making an investment into women's rugby. So I stepped down from my um, role at Sunnybank um, to spend more time in that and getting the opportunity to work within the Reds allows me then to um, to contribute to that development and hopefully improve that squad of girls. It's the same with Scotty down at um, at ACT. His investment and time into the Brumbies will hopefully improve their program so that the whole competition takes a step forward. Does that make sense? Without being too arrogant about it, the, the idea is to to try and um, influence the development of, a, of the players at a little bit earlier stage before they get to the Wallaroos so that we can then take that further when we do get back together as the Wallaroos program. Well, I guess what are the, some of the the things that you see as um, being needed to be done at that level, at the Super W level, to make that step up into Wallaroos and improve the the elite end of the game? I guess um, from an attack point of view, because that's my, my particular area, um, skill development was a big one um, that we worked really hard on through the year. And the intention... Um, by coming into Super W, if we can start that progress and start that development earlier, then by the time we come together, because I don't know if everyone understands it, but when you come together in that Wallaroos process, um, we get five days as a group 
to prepare for a test match. Um, so it's only a short amount of time. So a lot of the foundation work's actually done through Super W. So skill set, decision-making, game understanding is another one. Um, and by improving the quality of games, it, um, it means that we're improving those, those learnings that we can get and take out of. Um, and then we can make better decisions and manage the game better. I think Sarah will probably agree with me here that there, there are points in the World Cup that we did really, really well in, but there are also points that um, that we could have improved on. Um, and part of that's around just game understanding and, and having more experience in those um, scenarios and situations. The drawer coming in this year was, was amazing. Um, the fact that they lifted the competition um, as an international side realistically um, was great. And hopefully with Scott going to ACT, myself coming into Queensland with Moses, um, and, and Simon there, we can we can push that level a bit higher earlier and then the players then can improve. And obviously some of the girls are taking um, opportunities to head overseas. Like Sarah's off to um, the Alpiki competition. We've got girls playing in the uh, English Premiership. So that can only be good for, um, for Australian rugby. I'm really excited hearing you speak about what the likes of yourself and Scotty um, are able to contribute in your states because when you think about what the competition can be and on the back of the momentum of the World Cup, we really can only go to the next level, which is a positive step for us. Just touching on World Cup, it was my first World Cup as a player, your first World Cup as a coach. I guess if there was one key thing that you took away from that whole experience, what would, it, what would that be? For me, it's potential, um, to be honest. It was... Um... Like we did some really good things, I thought, and we played some, you know, great rugby, both sides of the ball. But um, there's so much more potential for more. Um, we spent, I think that was the longest amount of time we spent together. And you could see from when we started, you know, that Gold Coast camp into the, um, the first week in Auckland um, through to the, the game against England. Obviously, the, the result didn't go our way, but the growth in the group there was huge. So, for me, it's it's yeah, it's about the potential of what could be and and how exciting that's going to be in the next year, two years leading into the next World Cup. Um, that's what I took from it, you know, the learnings that we all got as our first World Cups, but um, also that excitement of, of what could happen when we get more time together and we we lift the level of the um of the playing group and the competitions and what we can do in the next World Cup. That's what I took. Talking about time together, is there anyone that stood out to you? On tour as, as a bit of a character. I'm not looking across the table here at my uh, <laughs> You don't have to say co-host here. I'm very oh, quiet in the team room. Yeah, Sarah's really um, timid. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, lots of characters. Like Eva Kapani is probably a big one. Um, <laughs> you watch any of the social media, you see her pop up. Sarah's definitely up in there. Um, <laughs> it's just a, a really nice group. Like obviously 32 um, players and, and a whole heap of staff. There's lots of different personalities rolling around. But um, I felt like the five weeks that we had together were pretty positive all the way through. Lots of laughs. Obviously, we, um, we rode the results together as a group, but oh, it was just fun. Um, and, you know, everyone was there for the right reasons, which, which was really nice. Like, it's one of those things where because we're not professional, um, there's a lot of sacrifices. And then um, that, that usually means that we're there for, the, for similar reasons to, to obviously succeed, but also because we enjoy it. And um, yeah, it was it was good fun, and then we got some lots of learnings about different people along the way as well. A lot of fun was certainly had. See, as a last question before we um, close out, I guess what would be the best thing that you love about coaching? 
there's probably not one and it's all kind of collected and i guess you guys as athletes probably um can relate but the one is that um you know that magic moment when um when everything kind of comes together so all the time the work the effort you get so you've got a picture in your head about what you want it to look like and then you go back and you plan and you map and you work through it and then yeah when when that comes together and you can see people realizing potential and getting those doing the one percenters that then lead to the the outcome that makes sense i know that's really cliche but for me like in the world cup as an example when we scored that try against england even though it was only a, uh, you know a flash in 80 minutes to me that was what where we want to get to and that was really fulfilling as the attack coach because all 15 players contributed to creating that opportunity for for that for um for chance to score and that's where I get my biggest satisfaction, where everybody's kind of contributed, played their role, and then created. And that's the beauty of our team, is that you need everybody pulling in the same direction to um to get the result. And I thought, you know, that showed the glimpse. And you know, it's a bit <laughs> coming back to that what I said before, the potential of the group, and that's exciting. And that's where you know, well, if we can keep turning up and and doing the little things right to get that result then then you know we're heading in the right direction so love it and i know m chan certainly loved it too because she got to go to monaco it's a first try like if you're gonna score a try you know your first try that might as well be a good one right a hundred percent siona before we let you go we love to run a segment with our guests it's called tip on it's basically 60 seconds of rapid fire questions um you're not meant to think too hard just say the first thing that comes to mind are you keen to play yeah absolutely all right let's do it the clock is on what have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Uh, I've been reading Wilbur Smith, who's an adventure um, author. Cool. Who is your sporting hero? My sporting hero is Michael Jones, who's an all-black um, back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Nice. What would be your wrestler entrance song? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me stuffed here. <laughs> we'll move to the next one. What was your favourite movie as a kid? Favourite movie as a kid was Braveheart. What's something you could eat for a month straight? Oh, sushi. Favorite, Every day, all the time. <laughs> favorite place you've traveled to? Um, been to a few, but like it's cliche. I, I love Tonga. Love the islands. Love it. Who would play you in the movie of your life? <laughs> uh, let's go Colin Farrell. Conditioning or weights? Oh, weights every day. <laughs> <laughs> what was the worst job you ever had? Uh, I was a cleaner for a while of a restaurant. So start at midnight, finish at seven. That was, uh, didn't enjoy that at all. Graveyard shift. Yep. Siona, it has been our absolute pleasure to have you on Can You Be More Pacific. So great to hear, I guess, your insights and kind of just take a, a little bit of a deeper chat with you because I feel like we haven't really spoken about those things before. So great to find that all out. And uh, we wish you all the best with the Reds next season, but not too much because hopefully the Waratahs will come out on top. <laughs> about that one yeah we'll see we'll see you can ask that your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on can you be more pacific Back with one of our favourite segments in this show. And our question this week, Hala, comes from Andrew in Suva. And his question is, would you rather be a referee in the bunker or a head coach? Ooh, it's a good question, isn't it? Ooh. Because they're all jobs that no one wants, really. 
Not me. <laughs> I'd rather not be a player. Either. 100%. I don't want to be a player no more. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've spoken about this before about the challenge. I've definitely spoken about the challenges of being a match official and go to bat for the referees um, all the time. And it's similar in the bunker that they're, they're match referees or former match referees and, and match officials that have to do a job in there. And I think they're very thankless jobs. So, I mean, he's asking us to pick which one we'd rather be. So you've got to think which is the worst and work backwards from there. <laughs> Uh, head coaching, you I don't know. I, you go first so I can think about it a bit more by myself sometimes. Mm, okay. Well, I feel a bit of a tug of war between head coach and referee. I think with head coach, obviously, is the responsibility to engage a whole team. You know, it's a, it's a long, hard slog. Whereas I feel like with a referee, yes, you are working continuously, but you remain neutral through it all. And I think with a referee, the opportunities are much more plentiful. You can be a seven. I'm, I'm just thinking in the context of rugby. Say if I was a referee in rugby, I could do the world seven circuit. And I think it allows me to travel a lot more and gives me greater flexibility and gain, um, I don't know, more life experience at the same time. Whereas I think being in the bunker or a head coach, they're like, I don't know, they just, they make you feel stuck. You're in the bunker. You're in the bunker. If you're yeah, stuck in like, the bunker, you're in the bunker bad. sometimes. Fall out. Like a fallout room, the bunker. Yeah, look, I, I do go in the bunker a little bit, and it's um, it's so different to an actual. I've like been, as as you'd appreciate being a player, being in in the arena and being there is um something that we really. It's it's really enjoyable, obviously, to be a part of a game. So when you're in the bunker, you're really removed from it. You are watching the game, so if you enjoy watching the game, it's there. But it's just it's a totally different environment. I don't. I've got to say, I'd be. I'd, I actually would rather be a head coach than all those those things. Truly. Even though the stress that would come along with it. You, you ride the highs and the lows of, of performances and, and of getting the results that you're after, which is something that I loved as a player. So I'm sure I could find a way to love it as a coach, but it is very fickle. Like if you start struggling, yeah. And Nelly's you get gonna, paid some decent yeah, dollars. throwing some cash out there. Yeah. If you're a head coach of at least an NRL side, you know that there's a bit of money around it. Oh, now I almost feel like I want to backtrack a man. So no, I want to stay true. I'm going to be a referee and I'm going to go to Cape Town in Dubai in the same month. <laughs> That's what I'm aiming for. Uh, to all of our listeners, if you have a question, please feel free to hit either Dean or myself up on Instagram. My handle is at Sarah Nangama and his is at Dean Hallitow. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Don't go anywhere. We've still got our favourite socials and we tackle the tough headlines in the ruck. Time for a change of pace as we chat to Peter Pasol over in PNG. Uh, he's our man on the ground. He gives us all the sporting insights from Papua New Guinea. Peter, it's great to have, have you on the show once again. Yeah, thanks, Dean. Uh, Sarah, Renell, uh, it's good to, to be back on the show, talk to you guys, tell you what's happening up here in Port Moresby and PNG. Well, it has been a big 2022 for sport. Lots of things returning to normal around the world. Uh, I guess we'll start with um, your general wrap-up of, of the sporting landscape uh, in PNG for 2022. Well, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a year that uh, we all wanted because coming off COVID of the last two years, it was uh, pretty tough. A lot of restrictions, uh, venues, traveling in, teams couldn't uh, go out, things like that. And uh, we managed to get 2022 started well. Uh, the Hunters, the rugby league team, the one that we all follow in the Queensland Cup, the Host Plus Cup, 
uh, we knew it was going to be a struggle, and they did struggle. Uh, finished third last, but uh, the positive, seven wins, uh, 11 losses, and um, I mean, it's not that bad. We had, I think, less than seven wins last uh, season before that, so uh, that's a positive, but again, it's something that they're trying to improve on this year. They've named the preseason squad, and uh, you know, things are looking up. New coach, uh, Matt Church left. Stanley Teppen has stepped in the Kumuls coach, so um, we're just hoping fans and the media alike. We're hoping that uh, the Hunters can do something uh, much, you know, much better, and maybe, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, they make the finals this year. Uh, in the other rugby league news in PNG, the, the World Cup was obviously the massive uh, event that everyone was looking forward to. Uh, apart from a little period in the middle of the year where, called State of Origin that uh, makes this country uh, go wild. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all, it's all rugby league related. Um, the World Cup itself was, uh, was it, I think the only disappointment for fans across the board uh, wasn't that we lost uh, in the quarterfinal to England. That was kind of expected because England are uh, a pretty good team. They're in great, great form. Uh, it was the first match against Tonga. We, we, we could have won that one. We should have probably won that one. Uh, that was the one that got away. Um, but other than that, it was a decent uh, effort from the, the Kumuls and a couple of our boys also got picked up, uh, I think, by a couple of uh, clubs in England. I think Bradford Bulls and I'm not sure who the other club is. I think uh, Nanny McDonald got signed by Leeds Rhinos, transferring from uh, the Leeds Centurion. So uh, some positive news there. And, then, uh, and obviously the Pacific Test, um, for me, my highlight of the year, we spoke about highlights, so well, it wasn't that many highlights for me, but the one I really, I remember and I, I got a bit emotional was uh, that Pacific test because of David Mead's, uh, was his final test, so uh, he got, he got, he, he choked, choked up at the end there when he was uh, talking to the media and I also got a bit emotional myself, uh, but yeah, he's been a great servant for, of rugby league for PNG, so uh, appreciate that, and uh, that was one of my highlights. The other highlight uh, was uh, our women's team, our women's soccer team, uh, winning the OFC uh, Nations Cup in Fiji, beating Fiji 2-1 in a, in a pretty competitive final. So those were the, the highlights for me, apart from the obviously the World Cup, which was huge. And then obviously I got a I got a bunch of other stuff here, but uh, you know you can you can ask me questions about uh, you know things that uh, you want to know about. Yes. Well, it's actually so great to hear all of those things. It just makes me kind of reflect on how much sports activity has happened throughout this year, considering how much time um, we lost due to COVID. You touched a little bit on football and I kind of want to revisit that because the national team, we know that they've had some stop and starts with um, their coaching and reappointing someone. And the last we spoke, they hadn't appointed someone, but as the weekend that's just gone by, they played a friendly against Philippines. They lost, but give us a bit of an update as to what's happening within that realm. Yeah, so in uh, in July, the uh, our women's team, we won the Nations Cup, as I said earlier. We beat Fiji, and that was in, in July. Everything was going nice and, and smoothly. I think even ABC did a feature on um, the women's team. Uh, they went over to, to Fiji, and uh, our team, our coach at that time, Nicola Demain. I uh, was, you know, guiding the team pretty well. They were they won all their matches. Every, everyone was confident. The mood in camp was great. And then we got the unfortunate news afterwards that uh, she would not be retained uh, going forward to 2023. And that was a disappointment, not just 
for her, obviously, but the, the team and also the fans. And uh, the quite obvious question was why? And the PNGFA came up with the uh, reason. They justified it by saying that uh, they needed a coach that had uh, better qualification or more experience and in, in some areas that they considered uh, Nicola to be lacking in, which was, I mean, it was okay um, if that's what they wanted to do, but I think they handled it a little poorly. And uh, uh, the fallout was that uh, the players didn't get to train uh, in the program and they had no coach for a long period of time as uh, PNGFA looked for uh, a coach that they wanted. And that was about a two month period. So all the way from July after the Nations Cup, uh, I think till October, uh, when they finally did get on the field again as a team. And um, uh, they, they, I think they went down to Canberra or Sydney uh, for the Four Nations um, with the young Matildas, Solomon Islands, Fiji, and I think Vanuatu as well. Uh, unfortunately lost those games. Um, and then they, they've come up again uh, done a quick uh, two weeks here, and uh, they actually came up with a new coach. So the new coach for the uh, Kenji women's team is a former English Premier League player. I think he's done, uh, he's coached a few teams in Australia. I think one of the, the under-21 uh, national team as well. Uh, Spencer, well, that's great. I think I forgot his name now. Uh, <laughs> Spencer Pryor. Spencer Pryor. So, so Spencer Pryor is now uh, in charge of the team, and uh He's, he's with the team at this moment uh, in Sydney. They played uh, that uh, friendly against the Philippines who have already qualified for the World Cup. Uh, and they lost that one five, I think five one. I think his, his main issue when he came out in the media this week, he said that his main issue was the team wasn't fit enough to compete in these uh, higher level matches. So I think that's a big issue for the side. They need to get fit before February 19th, which is the, the date when we play the intercontinental uh, uh, match. Uh, it's a World Cup qualifier uh, against Panama. And that's on February 19th. So we've got about two months. So if, if they if they get past Panama, if they get a result there, does that mean that they, they qualify for the World Cup or they have to go into another series of qualifications? Yeah, they have to go. They have to win another uh, match after that. It's not straightforward. Yeah, it's so, uh, really not. Make it very hard yeah. to qualify for the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, they, they like putting hurdles in front of uh, teams that are on the on the outer. So we have to win. We have to beat Panama, and then I think I think we're uh, I think we're probably close to where Panama is, or Panama is a little bit higher than us on the rankings. But it's all about momentum, and we've lost a lot of momentum since July. So. You know, we're going to make it up somehow. So Spencer Pryor is the man to uh, hopefully do the job, and he's got a lot in front of him. So fingers crossed uh, he can uh, get our key players, you know, up to scratch and we can compete. We've got the skill. We've got the technique, as he said, but it's the fitness that we're lacking in. Yeah, so I, I guess, Peter, looking back on 2022, there was uh, some results that probably weren't favorable. You mentioned the highlight of uh, – the, the Pacific test in the middle of the year in rugby league where uh, PNG took down Fiji and um, sorry, Sarah, bringing up Fiji getting done too there. soon still. Too sorry, soon. sorry, too soon. But I guess what's, uh, what are you looking forward to in 2023, Peter? What's um, going to be something that we all need to highlight in our calendars to, uh, to look forward to from PNG sport. Uh, I think the, the, the big one is the uh, Pacific games in Solomon islands, which will be towards the, I think in the, in the, in the final quarter, fourth quarter, 
2023, uh, which is obviously the big uh, event for the region and uh, PNG. The the main goal for PNG is we're trying to win, or finish on top at an away games for the first time. We've never done that. We won, I think, the games that we finished on top in uh, have been at home. So we want to get one away. And uh, with American Home Alliance, you know, it's very close to us. Uh, pretty much playing at home. Well, we're we trying so- to get one. Yeah, trying to get one. Yes, well, we we definitely are looking forward to it. Peter, just want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much for all the coverage that you've provided for us throughout this year. It's been a pleasure to work with you and and hear about all the all that's happening within um sporting PNG, and we look forward to doing it all over again in two thousand and twenty three. Well, thank you very much, Sarah and, and Dean and Renelle. It's been great uh, doing work for you guys and uh, communicating with you, Dean. It's been a pleasure. I uh, watched you playing uh, rugby back in the. Uh, in the good old days. Also, good old days. Old days. <laughs> the good young days. Yeah. But it's been, it's been great uh, working with you guys and uh, hopefully we can have some more great moments uh, in 2023. Yes. We certainly will. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Keeping it social is what I do both on and off my phone. <laughs> Hala, we need we need to we need to circle back, friend. Uh, last week, you and I had this conversation about you potentially posting because of how much you don't post. So, question: Did you post anything this week? No. I just so you, I, really, I just really yeah. don't know what to do with that information. Yeah. You know, you issued a challenge and I failed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do we do? What are failures? You just they're just learning. that's all right. You know what? You can learn from failure. You can buy me a coffee for not being a man of your okay. word. <laughs> You're a man of integrity and lying is not one of your, your traits. I, I didn't I accepted a challenge and I failed it. Okay. Is that the same as lying? That's not the same as lying. It's just failing. <laughs> you almost don't know which is worse. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm just going to go first on this one. My social this week comes from the Waratahs Instagram. Last weekend, uh, the organization held a Pacifica Days, which a Pacifica Day, not days, plural, day, uh, where the whole purpose was to celebrate the different cultures within the club. It was awesome to see um, the boys, I feel, like really embraced it. And I think sometimes it can be a little bit of a shame culture, like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Or And, and girls are just like, yeah, cool, like I'll get up and dance. Like that's to- totally fine. But the boys actually went away and they worked on um, a, uh, a war dance that included all of their cultures and it went a little like this. Two 
So it's just so cool because what it did was like they all just went around with their different cultures and, and incorporated into one war dance, which I thought was pretty special. Yeah, that is cool. I love that. that they, as you said, they blended them all together and um, what you heard and seen when you watch the clip is, uh, is pretty cool. Yes. What about you, Hala? What did you find when bit, you weren't taking photos to post on your Instagram? <laughs> bit of a tip on here from Nelly because she knows I love my NFL and she actually found something that – I quite like, and it's Jordan Mailata of the Philadelphia Eagles. I mentioned earlier what a great season they're having. Uh, he is based, he's from Australia. He's Samoan in heritage. He's made his way over to the NFL, former rugby league player, and he's um, an offensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's got a bit of a, um, a singing voice. And Jason Kelsey, who's uh, the center for the Philadelphia Eagles, a bit of a character, loves um, going on social media and, and, and being entertaining. Uh, they've decided to um, put a Christmas album together. Jordan's just playing football to launch his singing career. Like, I think some people choose American Idol as their start. And he's like, I'm going to make millions of dollars playing left tackle and then go into singing. So I think it's actually genius. I said, I, 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 I'm dreaming of a why. Or brown. <laughs> oh my goodness. He can sing. I'm a little bit struck by it. <laughs> Starstruck? I don't know. Shocked. Shocked. I'm shocked. That's what I've I'm seen. He's, he's had clips before on his Instagram where he's been playing guitar and and singing along. So he's got a bit of talent, not under oh, a little bit of undercover talent, I guess, because he um he gets on Jason's yeah, Christmas song and starts blowing. And I think Jason Kelsey was pretty surprised as well when he when he heard him go. Big vibe. Big vibe. Where can I, where, where can we find that? We one? can go to Jason Kelsey's uh, Instagram or Jordan Mylata's Instagram. Jordan Mylata, it's his whole name: J O R D A N M A I L A T A. Thank you for spelling it out. With the at in front of it? Nice. That's how it works, right? <laughs> yeah, Dean, yeah. that's exactly how it works. In the rut. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? Time for some headlines, and we'll start with football once more. The um, Female Athlete Project Instagram page highlighted something that occurred um, last week, and it was at an A-League game. The uh, the players were still out in the field, and less than a minute after the um, the game had finished, the sprinklers came on on the field while the players were still out there. Uh, Where was the stadium? What was the stadium? Was it the football stadium, Sydney Football Stadium? Yeah, look, Flaming Port, this is woeful. <laughs> no game is ever done within a minute after it finishes. So I think there's... What this says to me is like there's this lack of respect, there's this lack of foresight to think, oh, let's um look at these timers, look at the, the time that the girls end and then, I don't know, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, wait till the bloody whole stadium finishes out. I just, what this screams is that, that there was lack of thought put into it and what makes it worse and doesn't make it any better is that it happened in a female's game because it just shows that there's a lack of care. Big oversight from whoever. Oh, it's poor. Whoever's in charge of, uh, I don't know, the ground manager or whoever is in charge of like running things at the stadium just need to check their calendar and see what see what their program is yeah so i'm actually really pleased though that this was put out into the press because you know we're talking about oh women's sports on the rise and things are getting better this is what you look at little things like this and you're like this is how you know that there's still inequality in the game or in the world of sports so to pete who tweeted it thank you for exposing it and to whoever runs the bloody grounds at uh city football stadium Two words, be better. Now, over to rugby where things uh, are often not too bad. (laughs) 
I was trying to find a better place to go. But rugby, in New Zealand, they've announced um, there's going to be a review panel um, in New Zealand rugby to, to look at governance and overall structure to make sure that it's operating as best as possible. Yeah, you said it best. So New Zealand Rugby, they've announced a governance review panel. I think there are a lot of things that have been happening within the world of rugby. And the purpose of this is just to assess where the 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 business, because I guess rugby is a business, where the business stands today, review its structures. They'll go through a whole process of interviewing a whole lot of people um, to be able to contribute to this review and then come out with some findings. And I think it's quite timely because the game is constantly changing and momentum right now in the game of rugby, particularly in the women's game, is shifting at quite a, a rapid rate. Speaking of the Black Ferns, we know that they won the World Cup, a huge, huge moment. And New Zealand Rugby have come out and said they don't intend to contract any more than the 30 players that they currently have. I don't know how I feel about that, but a lot of players have spoken to it and said, no, I, they actually do believe that that is the best step forward because you want to kind of keep the competition tight. They don't want to expand too early. Yes, there is momentum, but having some wisdom as to how they approach this period is just as important. Yeah, it's really the, – the key thing they want to do is to ensure that they keep the momentum going. After winning a World Cup and, and competing with the best in the world and up against – and you would agree with this, Sarah, I'm sure, like England at the moment is probably leading the way in terms of their – professionalism from top down through sub elite and, and whatnot. So I guess other nations are trying to emulate that or copy that and trying to make sure that their pathways and all their systems can feed into their national team. And, and you've got talent that just keeps pouring through and there's competition for spots and whatnot. So I guess that's the, the point that the Black Ferns are trying to get to. Yeah. And looking at their squad, if you're looking at 30 players, you spread them across their, their O-picky teams it kind of just makes the competition a lot stronger, but they, they fear that by expanding it a little bit too early, you're spreading the talent a bit thin, which then compromises the quality. So I think the best next step forward is for ages, we've been talking about a trans-Tasman comp where OPIC emerges with Super W. And if that is the next step we take, I think that it really would elevate the game. And then we can, I don't know, really compete with the top dogs like England. Yeah. And, and, and Australia as well, right? So yeah. yeah, Australia and New Zealand, the two Southern Hemisphere heavyweights in uh, rugby making their way up to the north and dominating. Yeah, exactly that. And last but not least, Sandy Campbell. Some reports have come out as to um, what his life looks like today, and it's a little bit different to his playing days. Yeah, Sandy Campbell played with uh, the Bulldogs, also spent some time at the Rabbitohs and the Roosters, former uh, rugby league player, and uh, he's, he's fallen on, on difficult times. He's uh, homeless, so he's, he's not got a place to stay, but he's also battling cancer. So there's been reports of him up uh, in Queensland on the Gold Coast. Uh, he's, he's getting treatment, but after he gets his treatment, he's got nowhere to stay. So he's basically doing really tough. Now, the Bulldogs had, had caught wind of this, and their um, their chairman, John Curry, has said that he wants to reach out and make sure that he can assist in some way um, by trying to make sure Sandy is, is comfortable, at least got a roof over his head. Um, they're not sure how that's going to happen, but they're, they're working with people close to him to try and um, get that support. It is something that is, um, you know, you, you obviously don't want to see that at all in general, but um, it's good that the, the club's doing something. Uh, family of league has also come to the aid, the former men of league have, have said that they want to try and help facilitate this through the Bulldogs as well. So um, it's something that I know uh, the family of league do a really good job to have done a really good job in the past is, is trying to help former football players when they're falling on tough times. And um, hopefully Sandy can be comfortable, find uh, some shelter and, you know, he can get that help through his cancer treatment. Well said, Hala.
Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. That's all we have time for. We're going on a break for a few weeks, but to keep you entertained, we'll bring you some of our best moments. If you're listening in the Pacific, we've got a new time slot over summer. We're moving to Fridays at 2pm PNG time. For all our listeners in Australia, we'll be same time, same place. And don't forget, you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Mother. Otolakia. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.